0: You're on live with the Cannabis Information Network Radio on Pod Stream Live tonight. We have David Kowalski, founder of the Cannabis Information Network, and Jody James, executive director of Florida Cannabis and Cannabis Action Network. <clears throat> tonight, they will discuss why Florida is linchpin to ending cannabis prohibition. Well, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. My name is David Kowalski, and I am the show host for this evening, and my co-host this evening will be Jody James, the Executive Director of the Florida Cannabis Action Network. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, have a really good discussion over the next hour about how uh, (coughs) cannabis, or changing the laws here in Florida, um, will create a, I don't know, Jody, what do you say, a tidal wave? Per se.
1: Absolutely, a tidal wave. A tidal- Good evening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. And David, um, I'm really glad to be here with you talking about something that's important. Well, thank you. Florida is the linchpin in the war on drugs, and particularly in the fight for marijuana reform. And I would challenge anyone to to tell us otherwise.
0: I I have to concur with that assessment. I'm up I'm up for a challenge. I think that's kind of why we do what we do. You know. Um,
1: and. Are listeners going to be able to get in and, and talk to us? Is there a way for people to get in and let us know what's going on tonight? Yeah,
0: if uh, they go over to uh, Podstream, uh, Podstream li- live. podstreamlive.com, mm-hmm. um, then there's a chat room uh, tab on the top. They can click on that and go into the chat room, um, and probably in the second half of the show, we may be able to get an actual call-in for those who want to listen. Um, I am me, David. I am live on um, Facebook as well for people who want to chat with me there. And uh, we have people looking uh, <clears throat> and monitoring the chat room on Podstream's site as well. So uh, people can interact with us there. We're um, sent instant messages and things like that.
1: So, well, we cool. certainly hope that people will. Decide to chime in and be part of this conversation. And really, that's the whole idea is that we're ready to have a national conversation. And Florida Can, Florida Cannabis Action Network, we kind of get lazy and just say Florida Can. Well, of course, we'd rather say Florida did, but we'll get to that later. Florida Can has been doing this for a very long time. And part of the reason that we recognize Florida as kind of this linchpin, has a lot to do with what was happening in the nineteen nineties when California first passed. Um Florida was sitting right in practically the same position as California. We had a large grassroots activism. We had people on the ground. Um many of the listeners will know that Irv Rosenfeld, one of the federal patients who receives 300 marijuana cigarettes every month, nine ounces in total of government weed. He lives here in Florida. At the time, we also had Elvi Masika, who's another one of the federal patients. She was actually the first woman to ever receive medical marijuana. She had the condition of glaucoma. Irv has a rare bone tumor disorder. But the founder, well, the gentleman who actually got the program open, a guy by the name of Robert Randall, Bob Randall to his friends, was a medical uh, marijuana recipient from the federal government too. So at the time, we're talking about the mid-90s, 96, when California first passed Proposition 215, Florida actually had three of the legal, of the eight legal people in the United States living here. So it was just natural that we would be next. But what we also have here is the Partnership for Drug-Free America. They make their home in St. Petersburg. So part of the reason why I would argue that we're a linchpin is because we sit here at a cusp. We have so many of the cutting-edge marijuana activists, marijuana reform in the nation, and yet we also have one of the biggest opposition in the state. So I think that puts us in an interesting position.
0: Well, Jody, why don't you go ahead and uh, explain to some people who don't know why Florida is the hub for the Partnership for Drug Free America. Um, there are a lot of people that live in this state currently that have no idea that one of the biggest anti-drug uh, campaigns is based right in their backyard.
1: Yeah. I, You know, I, if we had five hours, I'm not sure that we could really get in-depth into how Florida became the hub. Um, a lot of uh, wealthy Floridians um, – People come to Florida, and one of a, a very powerful and influential family in Florida uh, is Mel and Betty Sembler. The Semblers do construction companies, so many people who live in Florida will recognize Sembler construction if you drive past it when the new shopping mall is going in or the new Eckerd's Drugstore, which I think that's a particularly hoot, the company builds drugstores and the way they spend their profit is a partnership for drug-free america but that's a whole show
0: well you do know that itself. you do know that uh, he has been the semblers have been tagged as the mogul behind drug rehab torture centers
1: absolutely and that started in south florida mm-hmm. and it's a pretty interesting, controversial subject. And I think we should do a show on that. David, let's do a show on that.
0: We'll, we'll definitely um, we'll definitely touch on there's that.
1: There's actually sure. online. You can do research on straight survivors, mm-hmm. uh, people who have actually been through these treatment centers. But we digress. And for listeners who are just coming in, we're talking about some of the opposition. Recently, a Rolling Stones article pointed to some of the biggest opposition to drug policy reform. And one of those folks was a gentleman by the name of Kevin Sabat. And he is the face for the Partnership for Drug-Free America these days. And again, as David, as you alluded to, the Partnership for Drug-Free America was the brainchild of these folks who are very closely associated with coercive treatment. Let's 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 play nice tonight and call it coercive treatment. But anytime you're forcing someone to go to treatment or go to jail, it's coercive treatment. So whether they beat me or whether they just force me to be there, it's coercive. However, what the assemblers are accused of is certainly more reconditioning and uh internment camps than treatment.
0: Well, thanks for that uh, quick insight. So uh, let's continue on with our quest of explaining to our uh, listeners about how uh, Florida is the uh, linchpin and how we can go ahead and uh, you know unleash that tidal wave starting here in Florida. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell uh, all our listeners and the people that are going to be listening on the podcast as well, um, a little bit about the Florida Cannabis Action Network and a little bit of of what, what you have done and where we are going from this point. And I did say we... And I'll touch on that a little bit later.
1: Well, it's certainly a pleasure to ride the wave with uh, the Cannabis Information Network, I can assure you that. And our new friend, Ed Bone. Thank you very much, Ed.
0: You're very welcome.
1: The Florida Cannabis Action Network started because people in Florida were tired of getting out there and getting their butt kicked by law enforcement every time we put up a pot leaf. And I hate to be facetious, but really I think that's the truth. about the same time the proposition 215 passed in california 1995 1996 the vote was actually 96 Uh, but in 95 people were organizing around the country there was the windy city weed festival happening in chicago in new york dana beale and some of the original yippies were putting together incredible festivals In Gainesville, we had our own Gainesville Hemp Fest. Gainesville is North Florida, uh, kind of North Central. And Gainesville even had its own Doobie Tosser. Um, In the 90s, that's what was happening on the East Coast. Well, what was happening on the West Coast is folks were gathering signatures for the umpteenth petition. To legalize medical marijuana in the state of California. Hmm. And anyone who was present in the 90s would know that. Florican, where basically at the time we were just loose associations of activists who were raising money to send LV Masika, one of our federal patients, to California to help raise signatures and awareness because we all understood that California had the momentum and they had what they needed. But in Florida, We were not ready to give up. We were actually collecting signatures on a petition of of our own, and we were putting together events that were rivaling some of those large events. Well, in the spring of 1996, there was a, I'm sorry, in the spring of 1995, there was a concerted effort and across the East Coast to suppress the conversation of cannabis reform. The Wendy, 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 City Weed Festival was denied a permit, New York were denied their permits, Um, Paul Cornwall in Atlanta and the Atlanta Pot Fest which had featured the Black Crows the year before um, was denied a permit and we were denied permits in Melbourne and Gainesville both. So we combined resources, we gave ourselves a name because you have to have a name to have a legal standing we were working with a gentleman who had helped found the Cannabis Action Network, which is a national organization of very loose-knit, activists who needed a name to organize around the Jack Harris tours. And so they called themselves the Cannabis Action Network. Well, we were working with one of their co-founders at the time who was our, doing legal support for us and helping us coordinate with these attorneys across the country on free speech and permitting ordinances. And we were preparing a case that would go to the Supreme Court, we suspected. So um, over the next couple of years, we would continue to fight the, for basically even the permission to talk about cannabis. And, and part of the reason I think it's a linchpin on David is because of how hard they have fought us every time we have gotten to the point where we have found real momentum. Um, the movement itself, broader drug policy movement, has come very close a couple times to coming maybe call it a tipping point um, in two thousand we were on the cusp of legalization and by september of two thousand and one the twin towers were attacked and the global war on terrorism began and totally, marijuana reform was in the middle of it.
0: Well, speaking of If the, you remember uh, the
1: Super Bowl that year uh, – give me one second. <laughs> if the Super Bowl that year had the ad that said if you bought marijuana, you were sporting terrorism. What were you going to say?
0: Okay, speaking of the uh, wonderful Bush era, um, <laughs> I, I am uh, curious as to your insight. I know we discussed this a couple of times on a personal <laughs> level, but I'm kind of interested to know why. Why? How do you think California succeeded with their initiative during the '90s when there was such a, such a? What, what made them successful in their campaign? In your opinion, that they were allowed to, or, or enabled them to make such a, I guess, drastic, anti-Bush or whatever you want to call it, uh, a movement, um, you know, during such a hard and, and time when, you know. Basically, a lot of organizations threw their hands up and says, "You know, we're going to give up over the next four or eight years because this thing can happen." So,
1: one of the things that happened was the moneyed interests bought the initiative. I mean you can call it what you will. If you remember, I started with the fact that there had been numerous petitions, Mm -hmm. Um, petitions going back to the 70s. There was always someone putting together a petition in California. The petitioning process is not as cumbersome there as it is in Florida. A petition in California to put something into law doesn't mean the same thing in California as it does in Florida. So there were a lot of petitions that had been generated over the years. In 96, a strategic or – I'm sorry, it passed in the fall of 96. In 95, a strategic decision was made by elements like um, Bill Zimmerman of the Men's Warehouse, John Sperling of the University of Phoenix, And Peter Lewis with Progressive Insurance. And apparently they got together and they decided that they were going to make California a test state. They hired professional teams. It was the first time that professional petition gatherers had been brought in. It was the first time professional campaigners were introduced into this movement. And they basically took what had taken grassroots activists literally years to do. And accomplished it in months, and then we we're able to use professional messaging to get it over the top. So, and and really at this point, now I, um, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but now by '96 that should be Clinton. So yes. now we're talking about the Clinton era.
0: Well, yeah, '96. N- that yeah, that is that is correct. Uh, yeah, that that is true. Um, but I think I I was referring more to the surge of the medical facilities and the pa- ease of of patient access in California and stuff really didn't blossom until, you know, the the two thousands era, era when I guess things started taking right. off a bit. So
1: when we um, were terrorists, yeah, and yeah, anti patriotic, right? Yeah, that was that was one of the ways that they used to stop the movement. Yeah, and here a few years <laughs> ago our momentum built up again, and then they started with the war on drugs in Mexico and how many people mm-hmm. were dying. And this time, we were able to associate that with the violence caused by the market Mm -hmm. being prohibited, as opposed to spending it as it's the drugs themselves. Because really, the violence associated is not with the drugs.
0: And I was speaking to uh, a group, as you know, at uh, UF University of Florida uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, go Gators! And uh, you know, it's funny because I asked a question to a lot of the participants in that. I was like, "So, why do you think that?" You know cannabis is illegal you know and i got a plethora of answers you know which i guess at the point after they answered that question i said all right i think we need to change the topic of the originally planned uh, discussion but a lot of but a lot of the answers i got from people were like oh because the drug cartels in mexico and this and that so on and so forth and i was like wow and you know it's like we grow better pot here in united states than they grow in mexico so i think drug cartels really aren't uh you know, eliminating cannabis from you know the the war on drugs is really going to make a difference. To the drug cartels—they're more focused on uh, you know drugs that make them money, you know, not not pot that everyone grows in the you know Pacific Northwest for the most part. Um, but then again, you know, I guess everyone is entitled to their opinion um, or impression, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I I think, you know, in my opinion, you know, what I have encountered over the last few years is the amount of misinformation. I'm not even talking about the propaganda nonsense that's out there. It's just the misinformation that that so many people are unaware of and don't <clears throat> don't really understand. You know about the benefits of a plant. Um, you know, and and I think uh, in some circles even they it's hard to believe. Real realistically, hard to believe really how beneficial uh, this plant can be. And uh, you know, some people don't realize it until you know they they sit down and really have a chance to talk with people. You know, from organizations uh, such as the Florida Cannabis Action Network and you know Cannabis Information Network, where you know they actually can get educated, and and I think I would say a good portion, and I think you might agree with me, Jody, from talking to people yourself, after we have a chance to actually educate people, you know, they they really change their perspective on on how they feel cannabis should be used and and the legalities of it. Um, you know, so so I feel that you know education is is a very core uh, point as well um you know and i figure florida being a state where education in general is so poor you know us as as a group can step up and at least have one uh, point of higher education if i may use the pun so yes you may um you know so uh where where do you feel uh over the last i'm going to say um since uh president obama has come into office um regarding the state of florida um, how do you feel the movement here within the state is is, is going? Um, and do you feel it's changed at all from the previous administration, I'm going to say even prior to Obama's first term and the current presidential term here in Florida?
1: You know, we have a, a long view of this as the Florida Canada Section Network because we've seen so many different presidents. We really tend to see in Florida that – It is the will of the governor that really makes a difference in our state on how zealously the war on drugs is being fought. Now certainly when we had a Bush in the governor's chair and a Bush in the White House, the war on drugs was being fought hard and heavy in Florida. And and that leads back to why I think that this is a linchpin state because of how hard they have battled to keep – it from becoming a pro marijuana state that's that's part of you know what what makes something a linchpin well if it's if it's really truly important, that's the piece that you will fight the hardest to keep together.
0: Yeah. I think the people and, uh, go ahead. So,
1: so, I don't know that Obama's had any impact on Florida they, he's still funding uh the burn grant, which is a program to law enforcement offices where they can get additional law enforcement officers to uh, do drug enforcement. So he's not done us any favors by cutting burn grants. He's still um, putting out the same kind of DEA numbers. And as long as the Obama administration doesn't say, look, the war on drugs can't, the drugs can never uh, retreat. Drugs can never surrender. How are we going to have a war on drugs when the drugs can never throw up their hands and say I quit? So, um, and until he does something massive, it's just we're just going to keep fighting the same fight in Florida. That's why we have to keep pushing him.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I hear that point um, for sure. Um, well, anyone who really follows politics, I feel you know, especially when they watch an election. We'll understand how crucial Florida is uh, to you know, swing states, uh, as they like to call it, and how Florida is such a linchpin in a political sway too, with a lot of the southern states um, here in the United States, especially on a political level. Um, as
1: Florida goes, so goes the nation.
0: That, that's what they say, and and uh, I mean, I think that a uh, you know a state initiative where the state would go ahead and uh, step up like uh, Oregon has, and and uh, and, and all the other 17 other states and then you know along with Colorado even and, and Washington state where it's fully legal as opposed to you know medicinally available um, I think that you know the states in general, including Florida, you know when it becomes legal, should have the right to choose how the you know how cannabis is, is you know utilized and, and I guess structured um, in the state separate from the federal government. you know they can collect their taxes, but I think every state, you know or even in that case county by county should have their own you know regulation way that they can benefit from that
1: um, well quite I'm with you I think it should be um, taxes collected county by county I'm not sure that the federal government needs a whole big part in this um, when all things are said and done I have a, a D next to my party registration, but I'm pretty libertarian when it comes to the federal government, I think a a small federal government and, and a strong local government. The thing I like about implementing these programs locally and giving the tax money to the locals is local communities are best able to determine what it is that they need to help them combat what the drug problem looks like. Um, I don't believe that people who use cannabis are addicts. That said, I do not believe that everyone who uses cannabis does so responsibly. So we have to have um, an understanding about what responsible use looks like. We have to come to the conclusion that this is a therapeutic plant and that we have to have access to it. I mentioned that Irv Rosenfeld his access to cannabis is nine ounces a month. Um, While I was waiting for our show tonight I actually did a little um, pre-interview with Channel 13 News. One of the things that we talked about is a report that came out recently about the number of people of working age in the United States who are on full-time permanent disability. And actually, when you look at it, the numbers are 1 in 14 are on permanent disability. These are people who are of working age. Now, further it went on to say that 30% of those are on disability for a mental disorder, some sometimes of mood disorder, and 30% for a back injury, so chronic pain, um, is ultimately, you know, at the end of the day... It's going to be a degenerative something or arthritis something, but it's basically going to be chronic pain. Now, the reason I bring this back to Irv Rosenfeld is because he is famous for saying that if he did not have an adequate supply of the right medicine, he would not be able to work. So think about one in 14 Americans who are currently unable to work, who may very well be able to get back to a position of health and healing so that they could take control of their own prosperity and get back to work. What would that do for the state? And in a state like Florida, when you're talking about the fourth largest um, uh, population of veterans, what if we can get these veterans feeling better? Um, I, I just think that, uh, this plant's an incredible thing and I'm so grateful that we're getting out good information. You mentioned bad information the other day. I, um, got a letter back. We do an awful lot of legislative work as the Florida Canada Section Network. We're actually raising money right now to, um, get a place in Tallahassee during legislative session. Committee weeks have already started, but, uh, One of the things that this, uh, oh my, Uh, one of the things that got said was uh, how in the world are we going to go ahead and get everything done that needs done and who's the opposition and how are we going to rally the troops? So I think it's pretty exciting because it's easy to rally the troops in Florida. We know that 70% already agree that the war on drugs has failed. We know that we've got seniors who need this. We've got veterans who need this. And, you know, we were looking at the statistics on skin cancer. 600 people in Florida are going to die from skin cancer this year. And in Colorado, they have a topical. Yeah. And so everybody knows somebody in Florida. That's the other linchpin idea. Not only are we politically important, but everyone knows someone in Florida. If we can educate them here, They'll take that education.
0: Well, I mean, that that is definitely true. And for those of you who are just tuning in, um, you're listening to Cannabis Information Network Radio. Uh, we are talking with myself, David Kowalski, founder of the Cannabis Information Network, and Jody James, the executive director of the Florida Cannabis Action Network, otherwise known as FLCAN. Um, you can go ahead and visit uh, FLCAN, www.flcan.org. Um and on that site um basically will be links to all kinds of statewide uh programs initiative thing things that we have going on here in the state of florida um and uh any you know entity business so on and so forth that is interested in supporting us here in our initiatives to legalize this state by uh um by hopefully the end of this year um you know i'll keep i'll keep optimistic please um you know please go ahead and uh log in find a way to support us um we do any kind of support help is always appreciated for both you know CIN or FLCAN um in any way um whether it be someone's time talents uh, financial contributions um you know things like that it's always appreciated so uh, please be sure to check out uh, www.flcan.org and we are talking about Um, how Florida is the uh, linchpin to uh, legalization, um, uh, cannabis legalization. Um, Jody, in your, your, uh, I guess, opinion, uh, being where things stand now, um, how do you feel, you know, Florida Cannabis Action Network is poised to uh, take on 2013? Um, And what things... uh, are cooking, I guess, for the upcoming legislative session and in, further into uh, 2013.
1: Well, as you mentioned, people can follow all of this at www.flcan.org. Uh, I am really excited. I like you being optimistic. You know about 2013 being the year. I was down buying shoes on Sunday at Vera Beach at the outlet at the outlet store because well. It's almost legislative session and I went through two good pairs of shoes last year. We spend a lot of our time walking the halls during legislative session and we spent last year introducing a new face to cannabis. We're trying very hard to eliminate in the lawmakers' minds 25 years of Cheech and Chong and high times in Miami Vice. Um, So when they think about cannabis... Really, Cheech and Chong, High Times, Miami Vice. So last year, being able to put a different face on that, and I was able to be in Tallahassee for 30 days. Amy Kavanaugh from Jacksonville came up and joined me and walked the halls with me. (coughs) Excuse me. Kathy Jordan, who is the president of the Florida Cannabis Action Network, she joined us uh, intermittently throughout the session. The chair of our veterans committee, Frank Doherty, came up and went door to door with uh, Bob Jordan, Kathy's husband, to talk to lawmakers again about the needs of those 1.4 million veterans in Florida. I think we're in a phenomenal position. We have a great bill that is in bill writing and drafting right now that we should have a number on any time. And I think that we have enough people on our email list that if the people we know would simply reach out and tell somebody else, that we would be able to make a significant impact on the legislature this year. I mentioned the story about getting shoes because I told the young man, I was wearing my Florida can t-shirt. The lady that I was with when he gave us an extra $10 off the purchase of the shoes, you know, it was the sale price and then the discount price. And then the extra $10 she's like, I just don't understand. And I point to my shirt and I said I think he's trying to help us out. So she decides then it's a good idea to talk to this young man. Well the moral of the story is is that in my mind what I told these folks is that if people who care about cannabis reform in Florida will make a decision to do something this legislative session make one phone call, send one letter, write one check, spend 2 hours Every week for the next three weeks doing something, the next six weeks, the next 12 weeks doing something. Now session starts, <coughs> excuse me, March 4th. But if we don't have momentum building before March 4th, we will not be successful this year. So I told these young men, if you will do something this year, if you will do something now, we can have legal therapeutic access to cannabis as early as August 1st, 2013. If you do nothing, Wait. Expect to wait until 2015. Well, <clears throat> Florida can is ready to take it on, and we've got the tools for folks. But it's going to take that groundswell.
0: Well, that that's for sure. And I always uh, tell people one of the biggest things is unity. Um, you know, unity is one of those important things, as well as um, coming out of the closet. You know, the proverbial closet. Amen. You know, if we get those people who who really. You know, sit at home. It's like, yeah, that should be legal. But then when they get out, you know, they're like, damn, those potheads, you know, we need to go ahead and, uh, you know, get those people to come outside and be like, hey, you know, we support this and we support this initiative. And, and, you know, one one of the biggest things I feel with these, you know, closet, you know, smokers are, are, are the fear, you know, and one of the things that I try to do, you know, especially with like Weed Not Greed and things like that is to give people that comfort zone. You know, that it's okay to go ahead and like, you know, say the word pot or say, I smoke pot and, you know, (laughs) the world's not going to come crashing down. And as you like to say, the sky's not going to fall, you know, and that's that's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen. We can
1: regulate cannabis. Well, that has been my catch line. You're 100% right. Mm. And a lot of reporters are asking me these days, you know, well, what kind of impact does Colorado and Washington have on Florida? Well, certainly it is energizing people. But it's also giving us something to point out and say, look, this is how they did it. They really did it incrementally. First, they made cannabis available for patients because that's the morally correct thing to do. We're too smart. Science has come too far. Folks who have been following Florida Cannabis Action Network for a while realize that we've recently, in October of last year, November of last year, 2012, we filed a petition, administrative petition, with the Attorney General to remove cannabis from Schedule 1 in Florida. And that's an extremely important goal of the Florida Cannabis Action Network for 2013. And what we're believe is that once you remove it from cannabis cannabis from schedule one which is the most prohibitive scheduling it is what keeps it so that doctors can't prescribe it it's what keeps the plant from where people can research it so once we can remove it from schedule one all other conversations are about regulation and control and then we get to decide how we want to regulate it and how we want to control it I i thought it was fascinating during that project We were actually able to do some work with another organization, and you can find some research that was done. Not all states put cannabis in Schedule 1. If Florida lawmakers would remove cannabis to Schedule Three, we would be perfectly within our rights to set up a medical program licensed through the state. And if we set it up in such a way that it's regulated and controlled at the state level, the federal government has shown that we're, they're not going to interfere, which is what we saw in Colorado.
0: Well, so and <clears throat> I mean, I, I just wanted to, to interrupt for one second because you, you mentioned the whole thing about rescheduling. Um, And for people that are listening, you know, in other states and, you know, as we get out there and, you know, I promote this within, you know, social media, you know, we have people that listen from California and from other states as well. So some people aren't aren't familiar with, you know, what uh, Florida Cannabis Action Network did uh, back in December um, where we went ahead and and, and filed an emergency petition with, uh, you know, the state's attorney and as an aggressive as an aggressive action. You know, to show that we really have some gusto and momentum. And as I like to put it, you know, we like kicking them in the head because uh, that's, that's the way that you know, I think it needs to go. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and just briefly uh, kind of recap uh, what was done um, and the outcome of it and where that leaves the momentum at this moment?
1: Well, the outcome is we don't have an outcome. We were able to collect over 10,000 signatures of petitioners in the state of Florida who were interested in asking Pam Bondi, who is our attorney general, to remove cannabis from Schedule 1. Florida is one of two states that the process for rescheduling a drug begins in the attorney general's office. And that's part of that research that's available online at our website, www.flcan.org. And you'll find some information on rescheduling on the left-hand side. Uh, You can click on and read the status of what's going on. But um, basically, we filed a petition with the attorney general, and the office, mandated by law, had 30 days to respond. Now, there were a number of factors that the attorney general was supposed to consider. And basically, Florida has this great little catch in the law. It says that, literally, that from time to time, as science learns more information, that they wanted to make available an emergency opportunity, a way that could quickly reschedule a drug so that patients could have access to it. Well, the rescheduling works both ways. There's actually two sections. One gives the attorney general the emergency rescheduling to make it a higher schedule. And then the next allows her to make it he or she. In this case, it's a she. Um, but she doesn't have to be our attorney general in two years, and the law will still be the same. Um, in case you want to get assertive with her, she doesn't have to keep working here. But um, at the end of the day, she had 30 days to respond. Now, basically what she said is the federal government says it's a Schedule One drug, and, well, that's good enough for me. Well, it's not good enough for 10,000 Floridians and we take their uh, information very seriously, we take their petitioning very seriously and we have attorneys who are following up with an administrative process. We knew this wouldn't be a quick win, it would have been a, a wonderful, surprising victory for her to have the courage to say, you know what, you're 100% right, the evidence is in and it should not be a Schedule One drug. But that's not how it works. Um, oftentimes these things happen through a slow and systematic drip like the Grand Canyon was created as opposed to a tsunami. But we're, we talked about tidal waves. Um, during the process, we were able to generate hundreds of letters to the Florida Surgeon General, who is another one of the people who are um, our decision maker. Because people are using the Florida CAN website and they're going in and they're taking an opportunity to send a quick click and edit email to their lawmaker, be it their state representative or their governor, um, we're able to generate an awful lot of buzz. So, um, So what happened with the attorney general's petition, it is still pending. We have a first no, but we believe that in an administrative hearing, that we'll have an opportunity to pressure lawmakers into realizing this is the wrong thing to do um, to keep it in Schedule 1. Now that said, we're going to begin the process of finding sponsors to actually make an amendment to a bill that's in existence that um, actually adds some drugs to Schedule 1. So we're hoping to find um, a friendly amendment that will remove cannabis from it so that it will be in in an existing bill. And going into this session, we
0: we do have a senator that's also going to be backing us as well. Is that correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Some of your listeners will remember Jeff Clemens was the uh, representative who introduced our bill last year. I like to take a little credit for the fact that um, – Senator, or the Senator Clemens is now Senator, Senator Clemens. We were doing legislative uh, scorecards as part of the Florida Cannabis Action Network, and of course, our sponsor got great reviews from us. We were able to motivate um, nearly a thousand voters in the senators. Uh, area to get out and cast a vote. Now, um, that's how many people we have on our list in the area. But I got to tell you, it's pretty neat. Um, Senator Clemens won by less than 40 votes. So it is quite possible. and, And his opponent, in all fairness, was pretty good on some broader drug policy issues. But at the end of the day, Senator Clemens walked away with it with less than 40 votes. So we've got a senator. He has been a wonderful champion. We have a beautiful and talented and articulate new uh, House member. By the name of Kate Edwards in South Florida. I'm not 100% sure without looking at the map if she's more towards Miami, more towards Boca, but certainly down in that area. You, who, like, um,
0: Jody? you cut out for a minute when you said who that other person was that you were working with.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Senator, um, House Representatives Katie Edwards okay. in Miami, South Florida. Okay. So, yeah, sponsoring the House and the Senate. We're hoping to have some bipartisan support this year. And we have every reason to believe that we'll get some hearings in committee. Whether or not it will make it all the way to the floor is up to the people of Florida.
0: That, that is absolutely true. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to go ahead and uh, help them along to give them the information that they need. Um, You know, since we have like 20 minutes left in the show and the hour is kind of flying by, I'm going to go ahead and uh, – you know, kind of uh, move into the next area of things um, and basically kind of let our listeners know that, you know, myself and you, Jody, are going to be starting to do this on a, a regular basis and, you know, myself and Jody will be co-hosting you know co each other in this show and we're going to be trying to do this on a weekly basis, um, covering a variety of topics, both on a um, local Florida scale and then on, on my end, on a national scale, but our focus is going to be on Florida. And, you know, the Cannabis Information Network, uh, being a national organization, but based out of Florida, um, you know, really has has changed gears with a lot of programs that we have going. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, we are – we have joined forces, you know, the Cannabis Information Network and the Cannabis Action Network. Um, we, we have joined forces and, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, unite uh, to to make some big things happen here um in the state of Florida. And um you know, I I I'll, instead of me tooting my own horn, um I guess I'll go ahead and, and let you, Jody, kind of um I guess make a, a an informal or formal introduction of myself and my affiliation with the Florida Cannabis Action Network and then we'll kinda of go from there. So
1: Oh, we're so very excited. Um Yeah, I didn't think about that this was when we were going to do this. Um, Last week, David formally agreed to join with the Florida Cannabis Action Network. Now, our goal is to change cannabis policies in Florida, and we see that as a very limited scope, and we understand that everyone around the country needs this information we have a great infrastructure and the thing that we were really missing is someone who could help us with development and bring it all together so david we've been pleased to invite you and and have you joining our staff we have really worked together this last month to make sure that we were presenting a unified front in florida so that we can take it to the next level and as goes florida so goes the nation. So welcome to the Cannabis Action Network team. Now, the Cannabis Information Network isn't going anywhere. No. Uh, Cannabis Action Network has a lot of talents. We've been around a long time. And we've done some um, things that uh, Cannabis Information Network supporters and folks who love things like the Weed Not Greed Tour are really going to appreciate. Florida Can worked on two of the numerous Journey for Justices, and listeners can get online and check out hours of video of um, the Journey for Justice. The Journey for Justice began in the 1990s with patients who weren't in California and weren't getting access to medicine um, doing treks by wheelchair, by foot, in motor cars and in vans and by whatever means and method that they could get there caravanning from some random place, uh, the first one in Michigan, I'm sorry, the first one in Wisconsin and the second one in Ohio, vice versa, mm-hmm. the second one in Wisconsin, and like Mondovia, Ohio, <laughs> um, to the capital. And we were able to do one in Florida. We started at Stark Penitentiary, and we took over 200 miles. We were led by a wheelchair. And we had great signs on the vehicle like, don't you dare arrest my parents and thank you for pot smoking. <laughs> so when it comes time for the Weed Not Greed Tour, we're ready to get on the bus.
0: Well, yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of people are ready <laughs> to get on the bus. And uh, you know, and I think that's going to be the ultimate goal of the Weed Not Greed Tour is to get as many people on the bus as we can. And I think you know, we did a, a pretty successful uh, Shades of Green Florida campaign you know and uh you know i think the next campaign that we're going to be doing joint on you know as I, as we went ahead and put it out there as we came to an epiphany in one of our strategy meetings is you know let the sunshine you know let let the sunshine come down on us so <laughs> You, know, you are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. Yes, yeah.
1: You know. Um <laughs> the flu's been going around, so you really don't want me to sing. But cannabis <laughs> is definitely right. my sunshine. And I'll work on a joint project with you anytime.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I'm looking yeah, for I mean, I'm looking forward to working together with, you know, FLK and that you know, that's that that's for sure. You know. And speaking of joint projects, you know, on, on a lighter note, you know, I have actually written, you know, numerous police departments here in the state of Florida And offered as a service to them from the Cannabis Information Network to, you know, come take the confiscated cannabis and incinerate it for them. But, you know, (laughs) as of yet, no one's taken me up on the offer, but I'll keep everyone posted, you know, just in case we need to do our due diligence and help out, you know, our fellow, you know, law enforcement people and help them incinerate, you know, cannabis. Because, you know, I definitely would make sure that it gets incinerated properly. You know, just saying.
1: You know. Well, now do you incinerate or vaporize? I'm just curious. No, you don't have to. What,
0: whatever, whatever comes first, you know. Whatever, you know. you know.
1: Yeah, well, I I certainly appreciate that idea, but it seems to me that when Maine first passed their medical marijuana program, and you know all the programs that get talked about, all the doggone time, nobody ever talks about Maine.
0: Maine's a great state. I like it there. It's a lot of fun. Do
1: you know anything about their medical? program
0: you know i i don't and i you know i, I shouldn't say i don't a little bit uh, you know and, and and
1: so do their police seize marijuana from like well people and growers and like give it to the patients because that'd be good i mean not really good i'd like it to go I i'd like everybody to grow their own and then no one would have to take mine that's better
0: you know, but, I, I mean, if I, you're
1: gonna incinerate it, <laughs> let's
0: give it away. That's that that's Probably true. However, though, you know, they do incineration though It falls under the guidelines of proper destruction at the present moment. So you know, distribution <sighs> so is giving it. it away. So under the criteria of proper de- destruction is incineration, and I was just trying to accommodate them and eliminate the costs involved because you know they claim they spend so much money on you know incinerating and disposing of and storing this product and. I'm just trying to help out you know, all of our taxpayers by sending the Cannabis Information Network more than happy to go ahead and help cure this problem by picking up all this product, storing it, and incinerating it for them.
1: I'm just saying. You are an you know. incredibly patriotic citizen.
0: Thank you. I, I try. I try. I really do. it's you know? no joke. I, ha- I have actually sent letters out to police departments that have said that. You know, yeah, no response. Well,
1: that's a strategy we had never tried, oddly enough. Yeah, so. So we have a lot to learn from each other. <laughs> um, you know, Florida is definitely the linchpin. We have the the products and the people. We have strong chapters. And anybody who has seen the Silver Tour video has got to give it to Rubber Plachorn because he's got a great message, and he certainly deals with the whole plant. We've got Irv Rosenfeld down in South Florida. Um, He is certainly a tremendous activist. When you want to talk about uh, great online stuff, Gary with the 420 Nation is actually down in Sarasota. He's got a great online following. Um, But Florida Cannabis Action Network's President Kathy Jordan is really someone who if our listeners haven't checked out Kathy's life story, it is amazing. It doesn't get told enough. We've been remiss. Um, Kathy and I—we I, joked for a minute, but I don't want—and I don't want to leave this on too serious a note—but to not know Kathy and not realize what's going on with our patients would be doing a disservice. Kathy was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease and Lou Gehrig's disease typically kills someone within 3 to 5 years. It's a horrific disorder. And for people who are not familiar with it, well, I guess there's no one in the United States who's not familiar with it because you've been talking about it around the Super Bowl, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, because of the Ravens uh, you know, assistant manager, he's he's been yeah. debilitated with, you know, ALS and you know, he's like one of those people you know it, it, that people look up and respect to, it. and unfortunately now he's on a respirator; he can't communicate. You know, and 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 you know he's only had ALS for just a few years, and you know I talk to Kathy just like you do on a regular basis, and she's had it since 1986. You know, right. and and her given three to
1: five years to live.
0: Right, you know, so twenty was it twenty six years now or whatever twenty five. Uh, no.
1: But you know, you know the listeners have to be aware that Kathy uses cannabis. Yes, she is public about it. She yes. is vocal about it. It is the medicine that keeps Kathy alive.
0: Twenty plus neurologists, so, she said, couldn't even believe that that's what she. She goes and she'll tell doctors, "This is what's saving my life," you know. And and and, you know, it's funny because it's not really funny, but I actually um, uh-huh. had a fr- had a friend. <laughs> That went with me to visit her the other day, um, you know, because I always do enjoy seeing her um, talk about, you know, possibly stem cell treatments or things like that to help her along, you know, and this has been a friend of mine for a long time, you know, and he knows that I preach about pot all day, all night. I probably talk about it in my sleep, you know, because I definitely <laughs> dream about it. That's for sure. I wake up to it. I go to sleep to it. I'm like, you know, whatever. So, uh, you know, and he's always listened to what I say, but, you know, he had the opportunity to witness the effect of of the medicine you know and that was that was something that he i've seen people go and shift momentums completely you know in 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 their attitude their demeanor the way they're feeling um you know and he was able to witness a a change you know a a change from her not being able to swallow and her not being able to control her saliva intake to being able to hold a, a standard you know solid conversation eat and drink by herself and he even David even mentioned that Kathy was able to cross her legs in conversation too which is not something that that you know ALS patients can do and uh you know it's just one of those things that people are really uh, made witness and privileged to to see how the medicine really affects and, and saves a person's life
1: Well, and if it's not Kathy with ALS and the muscle spasticity that comes with ALS or the shaking that comes with Parkinson's, then it's the seizure disorders, you know. And and when you're really struggling, I think my biggest complaint these days, David, is um, that patients who are diagnosed with something, whatever disorder today, you do what everyone does, right? You first go home and you're in shock. And then you either are defeated, you know, and you go through the cycle of grief. And at one point, you're going to get online and you're going to start looking up your recent diagnosis, right? That's what we do. Yes. And then you find cannabis. Now, you're living in Florida or you're living in Alabama or you're living in Georgia. And you just learned that whatever it is that you have just been diagnosed with, is going to be significantly responsive to this plant, and it is relatively benign. Now, not every drug works for every person. This is not going to have the same effect on person A to person B, but instead of getting access to a good quality supply that you can have in consultation with your healthcare provider, you are forced to go and experiment on the streets. And that is not civil. And we cannot call this a civil society as long as that is how we force people in 32 states to behave.
0: No, well, true. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot more to be talked about a civil society other than, you know, the drug issue. But we can save that for a whole other discussion in a different day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, s- setting that aside um i i would like to end the show on on an absolute high note and 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 i mean that seriously in all forms and fashions um by saying that you know fl can and i'm going to speak on behalf of fl can you know, as you C- I, that right as as cin is behind them uh, you know behind you you guys 100% and and i'm part of the now the fl can family is we have so much going on at the present moment You know we are we are we are at the tipping point, (laughs) and you know I can confidently say that anyone out there who feels that it's you know they want to make a difference and they want to go ahead and help out is now is the time for someone to take action to go to www.flcan.org and find a way that you can help out whether it's two cents five dollars four dollars and twenty cents ten dollars. $100, anything, I promise you that anything that you help us out with will be used to change the law.
1: Well, and if donation isn't the way that you can help, you can follow the the bar across the top. You can find out more about Florida laws. You can find out more about the history of Florida. You can find out more about how you can take action. Under the action tab, that's what you get online actions, actions that you can do face-to-face, things that you can do with your resources. There's no excuse for someone to stay home and sit down on this issue. Too many people have come out in front of us. And that's one of the things that Florida Can's webpage tries to help you understand is that, you know, we talked about that fear. You don't need to be afraid anymore. You're standing behind giants. Um, we've got police who are out in favor of ending the war on drugs we've got Melissa Elthridge bless her soul telling us what a wonderful healing and gentle medicine it is we've got Snoop Dogg saying are you kidding and Richard Bronson smoking pot in the White House who are you afraid of
0: I don't know but I definitely still want to be buddy buddy with Richard Branson. I mean, you know, well, I love he's that dude, he's not I, afraid of anything. I I would like, you know, if there was someone that I could go under a mentorship program, you know, I, that would be the man that I would definitely choose to be mentored under. Um, you know, he is somebody that that really just <laughs> takes a stand and he just you know, he has the power and the ability, you know, God blessed him with, you know, the ability to to do what he wants to do and say what he wants to do and and not have to back down, you know, because he's like, my lawyers are bigger than your lawyers, <laughs> you know, and, and that's just, you know, the way that he rolls. And I kind of and I kind of like that demeanor, you know, but I'll take it a step further outside of the FL can perspective, you know, or maybe it is. But, you know, from the CIN perspective, of you know, this plan should be legal in the state of Florida. Florida is is, is you know, Colorado. It's a great state. And I'm not going to mess. It's good time. So on and so forth. It's cold there, northern right, California. It's, it's cold there. You know, I don't know if anyone has realized. That Florida is the large, one of the largest tourist destinations in the United States. You know, there, there's um, been a country. Everybody
1: out knows somebody here. Every, I, I mentioned this earlier. <clears throat> everybody knows somebody in well, Florida.
0: I know something that that I look at every single day. I look at my friends, friends of friends family, friends, they're like, you know what? I don't have a job. I don't have work. I don't have this. I don't have that. I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do that. You know, you got farmers, you know, whose farms are are not going well or not being successful. You know, orange farmers, farmers that have, you know, you know, crops that they depend on to live that that's falling apart. Our manufacturing is on decline. Our farming is on decline. Everyone's like, oh, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Well, you know, I tell people, what can you do? Well, if we legalize cannabis, both from, from medicinal to recreational to commercial and industrial, and that will fall under the hemp category, we can boost our economy. We can boost farming, agriculture, help our environment all around. I mean, the what is it? The first hempcrete house, house made out of hemp, is being built, as we speak, finishing finishing up, actually, being built here in the state of Florida. Um absolutely. You know, and that's and that's a first for anywhere. You know, but a project that should have cost you know a, a quarter of what this man is spending on this project because he believes in doing in doing it and bringing a hemp house to the state of Florida. You know, cost him you know three times as much as it would cost if it were legal. And imagine even if we were able to go ahead and grow and produce in the state, the hemp to be able to sustain it, the amount of jobs we can create with industry and manufacturing. You know, and he was telling us, we met with him, all these different and special tools and unique tools and devices that, that need to be used to, to shape and to mold and to mix and to that. So even outside of, of the plant itself, there's so many opportunities that can be created by, you know, industry and developing equipment to properly, you know, use this for building and insulation and, and, and the million other things that I can go on for another hour talking about, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm here, you know, to, to say that, you know, legalization across the board is something that, that, people need to start focusing on. I mean, Washington state, Colorado, they made the right decisions. They listened to what the people wanted. And this is what the people want. We're here and we're speaking, we're yelling, we're screaming, we're kicking, we're screaming, we're jumping up and down. And you know what? We're going to be sure that in 2013 with Florida cannabis action network, we are voices are for damn sure going to be heard. And we're not going to go ahead and give up. And we're going to be here today, tomorrow, The next day, the day after, the day after that, we're not backing down. We're just building up and we're coming for you.
1: In the words of the law, you are either retreating or advancing. And with the plant as our beacon, we have no reason to retreat.
0: You know, I said something to somebody today. It's like, you know, I'm fighting for a weed. You know how difficult it is to get rid of weeds?
1: (laughs) Well, and again, it's time to talk common sense. Yep. We, we considered a war on drugs. The war, the, the war metaphor doesn't work. The drugs will never be able to surrender. It's time that we decided that there was another way to do business. And I'm uh, glad to be in the fight for the long haul with the Cannabis Information Network. And listeners can get back with us this time next year. Next, yeah. week, next, next week, next week, yeah, next week. I same think, uh, that time, same that channel. Yes,
0: absolutely. And uh, Jody, thank you very much for spending your time and and introducing yourself. I'm um, looking forward to doing a show together with you. And uh, you know, people will be checking out a uh, uh, Facebook and also uh, the FL Can site and Cin site. That's uh, www. flcin. can. org uh, for Florida Can and www.cinllc.org cinllc. org. Um, for uh, Cannabis Information Network, we're going to have a lot of similar information, um, but you know, we're, we're going to start posting about what our next show is going to be, guests if we have some, uh, so yeah, we on and so lots forth. Of good and yeah, and uh, so definitely yeah. be sure to uh, start tuning in. And and thank you again, everyone, for listening, and the people that are gonna listen. We thank you for taking your time to, for downloading the podcast and listening to us. And uh, you know, I hope everyone has a good and safe night and stays healthy. And uh, You know, here's to, uh, you know, legalization in the state of Florida and, you know, globally, I I hope. I hope globally, you know, at some point in time. And I wish everyone a good night. And, Jody, thanks again. And I look forward to uh, doing great things. All right. Thanks, Ed. We'll talk to you next week. Good night. Good night.